Good morning, friends. Thanks for suffering through our awkward moment. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here. What's easy to do is to walk into a setting like this, into a place where people are talking and giving stuff out, and we can easily get into this mode of analyzing, right? We're analyzing what people are saying, if we think it's true, or we're assessing different things. We've got all sorts of things going on in our brains. I just want to encourage you. I'm I'm with you in that. (laughs) It's hard for me to turn off my filter. But here's what I just want to let you know. You've got an opportunity this morning. And that opportunity is you just stepped into a place where there's a bunch of other people who haven't got it figured out, just like you, who are trying to figure out life and how to, how, to, how, to, how to navigate through all that goes into life just like you. You're surrounded by a bunch of people who are kind of opening their hands and saying, I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I actually want to open myself up to the creator of all things. Those are meaningful things that you stepped into. Those are meaningful things that you're a part of. So I just want to encourage you to continue in that space of saying, okay, Holy Spirit, would you speak? Because man, he loves to speak. He loves to draw us in. I hope you're feeling invited into something bigger, invited into something more beautiful than you've been aware of even. If you can be in that mindset, you're going to walk out of here in a transformed state and you're going to be encouraged to continue walking in that transformation. That sounds like a better way to live, doesn't it? Let's just agree with one another, and you don't even have to say it out loud. You can say it in your spirit. I'm going to do that. I want transformation. Let's stand and pray and just say that out loud. Um, Father, Son, and Spirit, I want that. I want to be different. I want to be better. I want to be more like you. I want to be more humble. Jesus, the incarnation, the fact that the creator God of the universe who spoke the, the cosmos into existence, who sustains all things by his word, that God who is in all and through all, that God actually humbled himself to become a person. Would you give me just a shred of that kind of humility? Would you, would you let me be a better person because I'm searching and seeking after you, Jesus? Would you, Father, your embrace is so big and inclusive and unconditional. I want an embrace like that. I want to love like that. Would you draw me in? Holy Spirit, would you just consistently bring me into more and more and more of your life? This, these are not hard things for you to do in our lives, and so we ask you to do it. Would you help us to, be, to know how to become better citizens of the city of Milwaukee? How to walk out this journey and be a kingdom person in the city of Milwaukee in a way that matters, in a way that changes things. Even if we can't understand it, can't see it, can't sense it, would you come and teach us and disciple us into being better citizens, better kingdom people in the city of Milwaukee? We say, here we are. Would you speak? And then would you push us into action? Man, I love you. I love being part of your kingdom. I love being part of your family. When I take times like this, I'm just, I'm so excited because I'm remembering that the best part of my life is that I'm your son. The best part of my world is not that I'm a pastor or a husband or a father or a sports fan or whatever, or a Milwaukeean. It's that I am the beloved of the Father. Draw us in even deeper. 
There's no cap. There's no lid. We want more. Thank you, God. Thank you for even this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. So we've been walking through this sermon series called Loving Milwaukee for more than a month now. Walking through the history of our city, what I've called exegeting our city. We exegete the scriptures to understand them better, to to open them up and let them transform us. Why wouldn't we also exegete our city and say there's all these things going on in the city of Milwaukee, all these issues, good, bad, and ugly. Let's find out what are the roots of it, what's the history, so that we can actually say this is what God is prophetically speaking into the future. That sounds fun, doesn't it? And so we've been doing it, and what I didn't realize, I've been planning on this sermon series for for several months now. And I was excited about it, studying my butt off. What I didn't realize is how heavy it would land. I should have known. I should have known we're dealing with real, major, spiritual, stronghold type stuff. And I've watched it land, I've felt it myself. As we talk through things like addiction in the city of Milwaukee. Sexual exploitation in the city of Milwaukee. All you got to do is read the news. Talking through things like poverty and homelessness in the city of Milwaukee. Ethnic divisions. And then beautiful ethnic history. It's been powerful. Last week we walked through, started walking through this reality of racism and segregation in the city of Milwaukee. And I just brought you some history. Just some raw data. When we, Because what I've done, I hear the statistics that say Milwaukee is the most segregated major city in America. And it just, I wonder, how did we get this way? How did, how did, how did, how did, how did that happen? It's not accidental. We just walked through it last week. And I saw, it was literally the heaviest morning I've ever experienced. Sunday morning in more than 13 years of pastoral ministry. I saw more tears than I've ever seen last week. Friends who are not emotional people saying, I've never wept so much in a service. And that's a healthy thing. If you're here on Wednesday, which not many of us were, but if you're here on Wednesday, you you took part with me. My friend Jeremy Bryan led us in this corporate lament. And man, did it actually feel good. It felt cathartic. It felt needed. Because so often we walk through these things and we want, the, we want the inspirational moment too quickly. And healing doesn't come that way. Healing comes after real lamentation, getting down to the deep, nasty spot in myself, the deep, nasty spot in our city, and saying, why, God? It's actually a good and healthy thing to do. And then we repented. And we're moving quickly, right? We could stay in this spot of lamentation and repentance for weeks. Months even. But we're moving. And we're, I'm hoping what's happening is I'm, we're providing for you a model of how to be a citizen in Milwaukee. How to take that lament with you. How to take that spirit of repentance with you. But I've also got to tell you, when in, fi- in the face of those statistics, in the face of that history, in the face of that reality, talking to my friend Julius, giving his experience, what it was like to be a, be a young person in the city of Milwaukee, a young black person in the city of Milwaukee in the 60s and 70s. In and of itself, I would look at that history, I would look at those, listen to those stories, and I would say, there is no hope for Milwaukee. 
I literally would. And sometimes I've been tempted to go there and say there's no hope for the city of Milwaukee if we talk about being together, desegregating, being united, watching white people, black people, all people of other uh, of colors and races being together and united. I would be hopeless. Just faced with the data and looking at the reality, hearing the stories. But see, here's the one reason why I'm not hopeless. The one reason why I I actually have real hope. I don't know if you do, but I have real hope that Milwaukee can heal, that Milwaukee can find wholeness, that Milwaukee can, can walk out of brokenness and into wholeness in life, be a model for what healing a city can look like. That one reason is Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, I, I, friends, have real hope that Milwaukee can and will find healing because of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and because he's put you in Milwaukee, his church. I could preach for a long time this morning, but I'm not going to do it because I've invited my friend Darnell Robinson to come and speak on what his, his perspective has been as a as a black pastor in the city of Milwaukee, is a, is a black man who's lived and is a product of the city of Milwaukee, who loves Milwaukee, but who's reaching out to Milwaukee and pouring himself into it. Donna, Donna and Darnell Robinson are great friends who I've got connected to from Jeremy and Huntsy Bryan over there. And they've, God's doing something. The Holy Spirit is drawing us together in some really profound, beautiful ways. They have a house of prayer on 51st and Appleton near the, in the Sherman Park neighborhood, a daycare. They've been ministering to youth and children in the city of Milwaukee for decades. They've been praying for Milwaukee for decades. They've been investing in Milwaukee for decades, and we're going to get to partner with them. This is the beginning of a relationship. The Holy Spirit's doing something. Right now, I want to tell you the reason why I'm talking fast and talking loud and getting passionate. This isn't normal for me, but I I want to tell you, we'll talk afterwards, and I won't talk like this. You're laughing because it is on Sunday morning, but right now I'm... I'm really excited because I feel and sense, and I mean this now, I'm not saying this to make you feel good. I'm not saying this because I'm in the moment. I have been feeling and sensing. Darnell and Donna have been sensing. Jeremy and Hansi have been sensing. People have been feeling and sensing the Holy Spirit is doing something right now in the city of Milwaukee. And we get to be a part of that. So I want to just hear from Darnell about what, what God has done, what he's doing, and what you're sensing for Bruce City Church, for the city of Milwaukee. So Darnell, let's welcome Darnell Robinson. Thank you. Well, I actually had on a blue shirt just like that. And my wife said, take that off. So I'm wearing this. So great minds do think alike. But being married for 30 years, I got to go with this shirt. But, um, so thank you, uh, Pastor Randy, Bruce City Church. I am honored to be here. And I really do believe that God is here and he's doing something. It wasn't an invitation from Randy. It was an invitation from God. I do believe it in this season, what God is doing. He's way ahead of me and what he's doing. So my wife is here and two of my daughters are here. One was here in the early service. So I just want them to stand 30 years of marriage, millennial daughters, and the other one was here early morning. So I bought, I I, I called one of the kids. I was like, I'm going to a white church. I need you to come with me. So that's my friend, Devon. 
No, he was actually one of the kids from Sidewalk Sunday School at four years old. We won him to Christ, and we never stopped our relationship. We still spend about 10 hours a week uh, together, um, and it's been a blessing every since. My other son didn't wake up, and some other ones I don't see. So it's like that, uh, but it's truly been a blessing. I was telling him in the first service that, man, I feel so comfortable being on this because we have two platforms exactly the same in you know, dimension and everything that we pull out of a purple truck. We've been doing that for almost 27 years where God had woke me up out of a coma when I was in the Air Force. Donna was in the Navy and he showed me this truck and I was like, a truck? What is that? And at the same time, I was registered for a conference to go to New York and I had stayed with Bill Wilson with Metro Ministries who they have the largest children and youth ministry in America. They do 23,000 to 30,000 kids every week. So I was able to experience that and be mentored by him. Came back home to Milwaukee. We bought a truck, and we uh, have that truck today, and we've been going to some of the, uh, two of the same areas for 25 Years. So those kids now are young adults, and uh, from that we planted a church through the kids at uh, Sidewalk Sunday School. So it gives me great comfort and pleasure to be here with you today. As I go through this, I want to share my story and share the journey that God has put me on. Uh, At this time, you know, God has been so gracious and so good to me. Let's pray. Father, thank you. We want to receive from you. Not by power, nor by might but by your spirit, O God. Father, have your way. May you be heard. May hearts be prepared. Hearts won. The manifestation of what you desire will come forth today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to reference or suggest, if you have not listened to last week's message, I did, and I really enjoyed it. Is Julius here? Is he? Okay. Well, I really enjoyed the message last week on racism and segregation by Randy. It was very inspiring and informative, and, yeah, it's heavy. It was heavy on me listening to it, and it's truth. It's truth, and it's what's happening, and I'm so glad that he brought that message forward. So I reference that message to you. I can connect in so many ways. Um, So with that, you can go back and listen to that message and uh, listen to Randy. So him, as when I heard it, it said, okay, thank you, God. I heard him speak as a angry white pastor. I don't have to get up here as an angry black minister or pastor because he's already did that. 
As I was praying, God had continued to bring me back to Philippians, the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles or on your phones, it's Philippians chapter 1 that I will be coming from. In verse 3. I thank God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. All of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Fill with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Yups. What has happened to me has actually served for that to advance the gospel. I love Milwaukee. I was born and raised here. I'm a native of Milwaukee. I love taking out the garbage as a kid, looking and seeing if my friends were outside so we can connect early morning, see who got up early like me so we can connect. I love sitting on a stoop, sitting on the porch and just talking and joking and see who can come up with the most horrendous and humorous stories. I love throwing a baseball, a tennis ball against the porch and then coming back and see if I can stay within the strike zone. I love, I lived in Long Island Drive behind Eastbrook Church. It used to be St. Nicholas Church and we would cross over to Glendale. It was the housing projects there, freshly and new, and we moved up there, over there, and it was beautiful. So I played baseball at Glendale. I love playing baseball. Love hitting it out of the park, and people will have to back up farther and farther and say, hey, what's going on? I love my coach, Harry Kaufman, who was the first Jewish person that I met, and we connected in such a way where he would pull me to the side and say, hey, don't listen to them. It's going to be all right. We would take me to tailgating and baseball. I knew nothing about that, but we had such a great time together, and then go sit in the stadium and just enjoy one another. I love the community and unity of friendships that we had in the community, that it was Long Island Drive against North Line sometime, and we would play baseball and flag football and tackle football on the concrete. Right now, he's from North Line, Kurt Owens. He's a good friend of mine. North Line used to come over to Long Island Drive, and we used to play them. And, you know, he's on the opposing team. He's probably preaching right now at Epicos. Lord, let it go wrong. I'm just kidding. But we're good friends. He used to come over from North Lawn, and we were Long Island Drive, and we would com be competitive to one another, whether it was kickball, whether it was baseball, whether it was football or tag football. 
we had so much fun and community and unity. I love walking to school with all my friends, Edison, where we would walk to school, going through the creek and over the bridge and just exploring and discovering new things on our way there. I love discovering and exploring from beatboxing. You see, I can't do it that good. To breakdancing, putting cardboard boxes down and spinning and having fun and having night parties and going from houses to houses, finding out where parties were in the basement. I love it. I love the creative arts, dance, music, cars. Bought my first car when I was 15. I hit it around the block. My mother didn't even know I had a car. I bought it for $100. And my my wife was my girlfriend at the time. I was like, come on, let's go for a ride. I'm not getting in that. I used to hide it around the block. I didn't even have license or a permit, but I hit it around the block. I wanted to get out and get around and explore more. So I was asked a question. Being a black pastor in Milwaukee, we'll transition it a little bit. Being God's human creation that is black in Milwaukee. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. For it has been granted on you on behalf not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but it's the Christ who lives in me. And now this life that you see that I'm living, it's not a life of the flesh, but it's of Jesus Christ who suffered and who was familiar with suffering and in pain. Where he was able to carry his cross and the cross for us. The letter to the Philippian church was from Aphrodite as he came to check on Paul to see how Paul was doing. How much pain is he in? How how was he doing? They planted this church. Him and Silas planted this church. Now go and check on him, see how he's doing. At that time, he was either in prison or on his way to prison or in deep pain and suffering and persecution. So check on him. And here's a generous gift to give to him when you see him. The theme of this letter, the book of Philippians, is humility. And Paul was saying, I don't want you to forget, Roman citizens, that the end crossing is heaven. And not Rome. Milwaukeeans, the end crossing is heaven and not Milwaukee. He wanted them to know that humility is a priority, a virtue. Number one virtue. Wanted them to understand that seeking what is better for someone else is life. To tell that to them. Every time there was an unjust act, racially, physically, systematically, institutionally, my father shared in kingdom righteousness, signs, wonders, miracles. I'm going to go back. Every time racially or institutionally or unjust, inequality, I'll tell you about a story. A lady asked us to come over during our church years. Basement was swamped and it smelled. She said, I got rats in my house and I have no one to help. 
So it wasn't me and Devon. It was me about the size of somebody else. We was like, okay, we'll go over and do it. We had to find the hole and plunge it out because the top got off underneath all the smelly gucky and swimming. So we had to de-plunge it. All that stuff began to suck down. The rats had to be dehydrated and no food from them, and then it was all good. Same thing with racism. The opening is pride, ignorance, selfishness, We learned those things somewhere that got popped open as a kid. It was a generational passing on, passing the baton by someone else inadvertently or this is how we live or this is what I understand to believe is true. And fear. Until we can sit down like Randy and I, we met at the Sherman Park. Let's sit down and talk about this. There was Milwaukee Declaration. I think me and Randy both as pastors, we pulled out of that. It was like, this is too programming for me. I'm not coming anymore. I think Randy had the same mindset, which was good. Yeah, we can act this stuff out, and here's a protocol, and here's the things that we should do. But organically, let's get to know one another. Put down my fears, my ignorance, humble myself to say I am ignorant to your race. I am ignorant to your culture, but I am willing to humble myself to learn. And that's what we began to do, just start meeting. We met back there, and he met with Donna, and we met together, and we met at the house of prayer. We met with Jeremy, and we, we had coffee. We understand that pain and suffering is about Christ. So that bridge of suffering, grace, advance the gospel. If you can imagine that. Suffering, grace, and then advancement of the gospel. Advancement of people. Suffering, grace, and advancement. That bridge that we walk over. So as a human being, being in the Air Force, going into a coma... That was the best thing that happened to me coming out of the inner city, going into the Air Force, living at Valdosta. Donna was in the Navy. She was in Jacksonville, Florida. I had a beautiful place. My my base was just beautiful. It had movies, great food. This was Southern cooking every day. Valdosta, Georgia, Southern cooking every day. Look, everything shuts down on Sunday. They're still old fashioned like that. Everybody go to church. Everything else is shut down. Valdosta, Georgia. It was beautiful. I was like, God, this is heaven for me. I loved it. Had a coma. Had to fly my family in. He's not going to make it. Kids were, one kid was born. Donna was praying over me. She had to come in from the Navy. My mom and sisters had to come there. And thank God, by his grace, I seen the healing power of God where I was woken up. Racism as a child, going back to the coma. So that grace, uh, I had to leave the Air Force, and there was a lady on my way out, and she was like, wait a minute, 
It's a white old lady. She was like, wait a minute, check with them. Ask them something. Ask them this question. What can you be retrained in? Ask whatever you want to do. So I asked God, God, okay, if this is true, I want to go to school for Bible. I want to go to Bible college. Absolutely not, the generals were saying. We have never done that ever before. Come on, Grace. We have never done anything like that before. God's grace. I was able to go to Concordia, have a BA in theology and youth ministry, and an MA in education at UWM. The grace of God, pain and suffering to grace, to advancing the gospel. I said, yes, God, if you do this, I will go. Had that dream about the truck. Yes, God, I see this truck. I don't know what it means, but I will go. I will be the one. I'll do it. From a black kid that first went to Whitnall High School on the 220 program, me and my sister was eight black kids and on the bus going there. Every t- well, two teachers would wash their hand every time we would come around and say these remarks to us and call us the N-word, but we had to fight through it. It's something down on the inside through the grace of God, have an inner strength and resilience and perseverance for advancing the gospel. fatherlessness no father in the home the first time i met my father after i got saved in 1990 flew to california and see him for the first time shared the gospel with him he i believe accepted christ then the second time that i seen him when he came back they called me and said he died will you preach his funeral fatherlessness the grace is when people, when most of the young boys talk about their fathers, I have empathy so I can minister to advance the gospel. I have a true father-son relationship. First, I block God off as father. Nope, I don't need a father. I need a savior. I need a genie. Come on, do these things for me. Then it broke me down. I need a father. Abba, father, when that spirit of adoption was poured on me, I need you, God. God's grace genuinely have a father son i call him papa and papa speaks back to me and he comes through because of that fatherlessness when young boys come around and they don't have their fathers and they try to call me father i say don't call me father don't call me spiritual father let's just seek the one father together and in empathy we walk this out together and that suffering where poverty, that grace was creative entrepreneur, where God was able to use us to plant churches, start a, a purple truck to lay, go out and lay this out in the neighborhood. And we see hundreds of hundreds, now thousands of kids come to Christ because of creativity and object lessons and drama in the neighborhood. God used that. You grew up in poverty. You know how to put something together and keep something together and make it look good. Work with what you have to work with. That pain, when Jesus went in, he told the disciples, he was like, wait a minute, don't stop her from what she's doing. She didn't, she haven't stopped kissing me and being affectionate to me since I came in the room. This is a woman of poverty and pain. You grow up, you welcome some of that pain. I know it sounds strange, but pain is good. It's an indicator that something is there, that something needs to die. Come on, when he talked about racism and segregation, it was painful for some of you because guess what? Something is still there with you that you have to repent and lament of. 
Pain is an indicator. Something is alive that needs to die. In our marriages, something is alive that needs to die. Being not saying I'm sorry and pride and unforgiveness. Something needs to die. Pain is a good indicator. That, hey, that thing needs to go to the cross and die. There's a lot of pain in racism. There's a lot of pain in segregation. There's a lot of pain. It's just an indicator. With the zoning laws, our building was on the first building, 71st in Lisbon. Jim, uh, Jim from uh, Century was next door. He said, I think you and Donna need to come to this meeting. They're voting against the church. That's when we had, we had invited the kids. The kids brought their parents. The parents came off. They're voting against the church. You don't know about this meeting. It's going on. He came over in tears. Jim, white man from, white believer from uh, Century, came over and said, I think you guys need to be at this meeting. We said, why, Jim? What's going on? They're about to vote and rezone with the alderman there to shut down the church. So the three of us, this, come on, this was 19, I mean, 2000, this was three years ago. This wasn't too fat, I mean, too, too far back as Julius. This was three years ago, a secret meeting that this neighborhood was going to vote us out to shut down the church because we have a church across the street. That's too many kids come in. We don't want the buses. We don't want the children. We don't like what you're doing. So shut it down. And the alderman was there as well. We cried. The three of us cried like babies because it was so painful. And the pain was like, this is still going on? So we, we didn't even go to the meeting. They took it where they, re, they rezoned and to shut us down and had us going through so many loops where we said, forget it. We were tired. We were tired of coming to meetings, going down to the courthouse, the board of zoning, and it cost money. We were working with children. Remember that. And we said, forget it. Grace. Some lawyers from Chicago that was on TBN Network. Anybody familiar with TBN? TBN Network. They found out about our case. They came up and said, we got it from here. Went into the Lord, went into the room. It went to, was it Federal. Federal court, the judge, Grace, when we were looking at it, I was like, Don, I didn't even look at the name of the judge. His name was Judge Clavert. And then when I looked, Googled him, one of his favorite hobbies was, guess what? Singing in the choir. We went in there, Judge Clavert, they, the city had about four lawyers. Judge Clavert said, you better handle this and you better handle it fast. Because they about to get a lot of money. Grace. And those lawyers from the city came to us. We're sorry. What can we do? Just pay us this money. And they did. God's grace. For every ill act, God's grace is sufficient. To advance the gospel. When Pastor Randy and I met, I told him I've been praying, Randy, and I heard bridge, and I seen bridge, Bruce City, bridge. 
So suffer, grace, advance the gospel. If there's any pain, you might be you might be on the edge of, hey, what decision, God? Where do we go from here? I believe that. Randy, it was history. This is prophecy. Where do we go from here, God? There's something else. Okay, we can't. We stop here. We stop here. Wait, it's something else. It's something else. Where do we go? Come on, Bruce City. Where do we go from here? There's a bridge that God has. It's gonna, many people do not like to get on that because it causes some pain. But grace comes with it. There's a crossroad that you may be at. You might be able to see this little dot on here. It's a white dot. That's kind of different. But that white dot is Father Grappi. Randy was talking about it in his message. It's a Catholic priest who really took a stand, who went over that bridge. He went from suffering to pain to action. He went from lament to repent to changing the lives of people. The 16th Street Bridge, also known as the 16th Street Viaduct, links Milwaukee North Side to the South Side. This bridge was considered the Mason-Dixon Line of Milwaukee, separating the city white and black community. During the 1960s, blacks resided on the city's North Side, while the city's South Side was overwhelmingly occupied by whites. On Monday, August 28, 1967, close to 200 NAACP Youth Council members and supporters marched across the bridge to the south side Kosciuszko Park. Upon reaching the south side, marchers were greeted by hostile crowds and thousands of white counter-protesters. The violent crowd hurled eggs, rocks, and bottles and youth council members at youth council members. The following night, the youth council marched again to the south side. This time, they were confronted by even more hecklers. Where counter-demonstrators held up signs and posters with derogatory messages. Today, that bridge is named James E. Grappy Unity Bridge. What does it take to cross over? Color? No. Father Grappy was white. Denomination? Catholic. Age? He was an elder. Money, personality, not Father Grappi. Numbers, no, he came to a group himself. Courage, what does it take to cross over? Courage. On that bridge, from lamenting to repenting, to action. We want to make sure that we don't go halfway, midway. There's a lot of times, and we've seen a lot of people in 25 years of Sidewalk Sunday School, 25 years of inner city ministry, that a lot of people get halfway, midway, where it's we repent and we're coming over. Here's our service unto you. Please do not go over the bridge with that heart and that message where you, there's no lamenting, there's no repenting, and go over and say, here, here's our service. We come over as Savior unto you. And majority of those times, if you talk to missionaries, 
Those who you're sent to will truly bless you. The kids, when they would come, we would have service, and it would be snow days, like one of the worst that we've had uh, this winter. We would drive up. I would be driving from home to church and see them out. It's like, are you guys walking to church? Get in the car. What you doing? Well, we was just coming to church. Like, this is, this is what we do. We love God. We love Jesus. Aren't we supposed to come to church? You will learn, learn such resilience and tenacity from some of the kids. Some of the families were sharing, sharing with first service. Guess who runs things in the foundation? It's the children. Mama, we want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. Boys, sit down. Next thing you know, they're in Chuck E. Cheese playing. Mama, I want some new tennis shoes. We ain't got no money for tennis shoes. Pastor D, look at these tennis shoes. All right, it's time. We've been doing children's church and youth ministry. We're about to turn into a family church. We need you to invite your family to church. Okay. The next week, we had 100 come to church. We had to start getting buses and vans because the kids had such influence. And guess what it was? When the kids discernment, you know, Jesus said, be like the children. They have humility and discernment. They know what's authentic. They won't stay in your church if it's not authentic. If it's not real, if it's not authentic, if it's not love, out they go. If mama say, Devon, mama done cussed me out so many times, but she loved me. That woman, over 20 years, she loved me. The moms came and they were dedicated. I would take that team of 300 single moms over any church. They had such tenacity and love and dedication and faithfulness to God. Philippians 1 and 9. I want to close with this. So again, praying, and I know you've been praying this week, so something came up while I was praying. It was like, what's love got to do with it? What? What's love got to do with it? It was the Holy Spirit. What's love got to do with it? And I was like, wait a minute. I'm praying. And I know when it's like, you know, third something speaking, what's love got to do with it? So it was God asking me, what's love got to do with it? Or... What love you got to do this? What's love got to do with it? Or what love you got to do this? To go over that bridge. You're on the precipice right now to get over that bridge. Not just get on it. Not to say I'm sorry and lament. Not to go halfway on it and turn back because you hurt many people. Do not come near the community unless you really lament it and repent it. Because it does more damage. If you're not ready for community, do not start taking those steps across. We're sitting down with Dr. Perkins, who marched with Martin Luther King, and we were having breakfast down in Atlanta one time during a, a CCDA conference, and he said one thing they checked is like the auth- 
Authenticity, authenticity of a pastor is we're going to ask the kids what's going on with that church. Have you been hurt by this pastor? Have you been hurt by this ministry? Do they come up halfway and then come back down? Or are they, are they going up and they get to the whosoever? So this is my prayer, that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but love well. Learn to love appropriately. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary. A life Jesus will be proud of. Bountiful infused from the soul, making Jesus Christ attracted to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. I brought that one from the message because I liked it better. And let's just exegete that. Learn from us, Bruce City. It was five, five couples where we started Harvest Covenant Church. And it came in, it became like six, seven couples. And we had to shut that bridge down two years ago. So in the last two years, they've been praying, interceding, lamenting, repenting, and meeting some leader whosoever's. This is my prayer that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but love well. God wants quality, that love of quality, Bruce City. He's asking that. What what next? Quality love. It's not quantity. It's so easy to get caught up in quantity, in numbers. How many people? How many programs? We got caught up in programs where there was a food, food pantry, clothing pantry, women's ministry, diaper ministry, angel, uh, children's angel tree, fathers in prison, so much quantity, we burnt out. It wasn't quantity. The kids at one point said, what happened to us? Mama, then mama boyfriends, what happened to us? Love and quality. That's staying close to God and God telling you this is the person. Then offers the father's love. A lot of time, we, I mean, pastors, we don't like to say it, but on a platform, you can get so caught up on you being up front. It would be nice if we can preach from the side over there and you look around and you don't see anyone. But it is a thing. And in these two years, I probably visit like 25 to 40 churches. And it's been so relaxing with seeing some of my friends that are pastors and evangelists and meeting with them and seeing, oh, God. I see the struggle. We stay in our little box and we don't really have community with other people. Pastor families like, Daddy, do you really have any friends? Do you really have any love language? I can see some of our friends. We went to a breakfast together and I can see him preaching and I can see him just the anxiety and the pressure of the church and the numbers, crunching numbers. He's trying to buy a building and he's trying to figure it out. I can see that pressure on him. Continue to love the Father, directing people to the Father. That's the only love that's going to sustain.
Learn to love appropriately. Us who have children, each child is different. You can't love the younger baby girl like you can the oldest child. There's different things that you have to do to show your love. There's different people that God will show you. You have to be connected in the spirit. This is how you love them. This is how I want you to love them. This is what's suitable for them. The message remains the same, but the method change. What method, God, are you going to give me to love them? I'm in turmoil trying to figure it out myself. Well, that's where we go into our prayer closet and ask God and begin to intercede about them. A love that's suitable. You wouldn't go, here's something that I do like doing. I'm going to share one of my secrets. When my wife is buying clothes, I'm usually at the dressing room. I know that's funny, but I like doing that. I get to see like, wow, that looks good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's suitable. It fits right. It looks right. And she, she wants me to do it. She invites me to do it. Do this look right? Do this look right on the side? For people, did this look right on me? Is this right for me? What do you think? What do you think? I'm grabbing your encouragement. Is this right for me? Let's figure this out together. I don't know if this person was a Christian or not, but boy, he had Christian characteristics. And I can share Devon because we shared his story public. But from my end, he was in our, in our daycare, sidewalk Sunday school. He had an IEP teacher. But somebody from the other end, I don't know if he's a believer, but he sure had to love a believer, an IEP teacher that walked him through. And on Saturdays, and, and then got him into MATC, was the, connected with the IEP teacher there. I was like, wow, that must be a believer. Here's a college that's going to suit you well and fit you well. He did the homework. He got the data. He really dug in. Come on. Come on, believers. This is what we go in for somebody else. And then I'm going to pay for it. Try this on. No, try that on. Try this on. How you like that? You like this? How's that work? How's it feel for you? And then I'm going to pay for it. A love that's suitable for that person. Now, you know, we can't do too many people like that. Take one and walk them through like that. That's what Jesus does. He took 12. This is suitable. How's that feel? But what do you guys think about this? And put it out there in parable. What you're thinking? This is suitable for you, Peter. This is suitable for you, John. A love that's suitable. You need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent. Not sentimental gush. That's the key is. That's just gush. That's just gush, Pastor D. Coming to the neighborhood, that's just gush. Come on. Let's give it a year. Let's give it two years and five years and see if you come back. My friend Marty on the south side, when the Latin Kings, it was, it was like 10 years ago, the Latin Kings, it was just going on. So we said, okay, we, Marty, let's hook up together. Marty was always in South Division High School. Marty, I just seen him. He has like uh, three houses now for men getting out of prison, but he was definitely in the schools and he never would leave. I said, Marty, we'll bring our truck and come on the south side. And uh, we did. And the children's like, how long are y'all going to stay? Marty was there and he's still there today. It's not sentimental gush. This is not for you. This is for us in the community. Use your head. Give an assessment. Give a test of your feelings. All the young folks said, oh, see, I see. You didn't got in your feelings. 
Now we can't even talk. You're in your feelings right now. Church, let's do an assessment. Are we in our feelings or what spirit are we in? Psalms 51. Renew a right spirit in me, oh God. I'm not always right. I'm not always loving right. I'm not always going out and loving and, and creating and connecting right. Search my heart, oh God. Psalms 139. Search my heart. Oh God, if there's any wrong spirit in me, please let me know. Church, we need, this is a time of assessment. When we're, okay, when we're at the precipice and we're going over, you need to assess one another. You need to say your collar, come on. Randy, your collar right there. Let me get, get okay. There you go, brother. There you go. Is there contentious? Come on, these are the different spirits. Are you contentious? Critical? Complaining? Discontent? All over the place. You need that merry spirit at the feet of Jesus. I'm open. Reset me, oh God. Fill me with your spirit. I need a loving spirit. Renew a right spirit in me. A lover's life. Live a lover's life. You know, the more foolish, the more it says love. The more risks, the more it says love. When I was in basic training, I proposed to my wife. I knew, like, I don't know, one of these Navy's guys may propose to her and I may lose out. So I bought all these teddy bears for her whole, it was all my money. I bought all these little teddy bears and sent them in the mail to her camp, her boot camp, and then bought some little candy teddy bears and bought her a big teddy bear. They was like, oh, if you don't bury them, I will. Live a lover's life. This says, this says love. It cost me, TTNT, time, treasure, and talent. It may not be a lot of money, but you thought about it. Come on, husbands, we know that. Our wives know you didn't even think about that. You just bought that. A lover's life where you thought about it. A lover's life to that person over there on the other side of the bridge, you have thought this out. They know that you have thought this out. You have thought about me. This is risky. You coming in the neighborhood or you going up to the school or you visiting this place or you going over and saying, hello, this has been risky for you. That says love. That says a lover life. That says the father's love. We have a lot of people that are praising and worshiping saying, Abba, Father, we have the father's love. But now we need to show that we need to live a lover's life. We're not that you say it or the church says this person lives out a lover's life. It's what the world says. I believe it's in the Bible would say, what does the world say about you? It's not what the church, we can easily deceive ourselves. We are lovers in the church. In John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Lament, repent. And who are the people? Something happened in heaven in that Philippians where the father's son was broken about sin on the earth. So there was a breaking. There was a lamenting in the heavenly realm. There was a a lamenting. We're sorry. I believe there's in the Bible where God said, I was sorry of my creation that I have made. And now they have went this way. God was broken about it. 
Come on. I know you've never heard it like this. There was some lamenting in heaven. It's some repenting. And that repenting is moving. God, I'll come down to the earth. I'll make no reputation. This is Philippians. I'll make no reputation of myself as Jesus Christ. Take all the reputation. Even though I am equality with you, God, I take a step down to come to the earth and take off everything that I am to become this for them. That's the repenting. Now we got to get to and whosoever believe. That's the sovereignty and the power that he holds, the dominion and authority. Whosoever believes in it shall be saved. There should be a whosoever in our lives. We can't just lament and repent and not have a whosoever. I believe, God, whosoever is them behind me. Cut them out of coma, uh, getting the, hitting the streets, whosoever. Well, it's them, God. I love you. I'm going to ask my wife. To join me, we got to close in prayer. Our citizenship is heaven and not Milwaukee. God, we want to walk that bridge. We believe that it's an invitation by you. I don't know exactly what to do, but I want to move in that direction. I want to have true repentance because there's a people. This book came out of Paul. He wanted to go one place and the spirit stopped him and said, nope, you can't go there. Then he wanted to go another. This is in Acts 16. Then he wanted to go another place and said, nope, you can't go there. He said, there's a man in Macedonia that's been crying out for you. I believe that's for all of us. There's somebody on the other side of the bridge that's been crying out. I didn't say, I'm going to be a great missionary and go back to Milwaukee as an inner city black guy and, you know, do some work. There was some kids. I believe this. There was some kids and some mamas crying out that got me to go here. My friend was here where she ran an ad in a newspaper. She was here at the early service. Uh, she put an ad in the newspaper 25 years ago. If anybody want to pray, just answer. Come over to my house. And I went over to their house. They lived in the inner city. Two older, elder white ladies, and we're still friends today. And we've been praying ever since for kids. There's some people praying corporately and individually, whether it's your family or whether it's the community, praying for you to come across that bridge. Did Paul know exactly what to say? Absolutely not. Did we know exactly what to do? We went through four trucks, crash trucks, you know, painted, you know, stage, fell down in the middle of the street, pull it back up. But to this day, it's thousands of kids. When we were at Sherman Park, we can go over there. When the riot was going on, I went over there like this. Go home, go home, go home, go home. Because we have that long-term relationship. It's about relationships. And that's what God is asking us to do. To come across that bridge, there's relationships there for you. There's someone crying for you and just for you. In unison with God. Whether it's the disabled, whether it's autism, whether it's those who need an IEP, whether someone just needs to walk with you. Let's pray. If that's you today, we want to bow your heads and close your eyes. Um, 
if that's you today, we want to pray with you. And Bill Wilson put this in me. If you want to see something you've never seen before, you're going to have to do something you never did before. And it's taking that walk across. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Takes a little while because he is so good and his mercy endures forever. His love, is, his love is everlasting. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So amazing and so good. So loving. We thank you how you lavish us with your love. And we thank you that you are a love God. And you dwell in us. So if you dwell in us, we're able to love like you love. Now there's a city, there's a world waiting on us. And the message said to love more and to love well. We hear you, Lord. We hear you, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. Um, There's times we have not loved like you love. But I thank you that your grace is sufficient, your grace is enough, and you're forgiving. So, Lord, I just pray us as your family, as we lament, cry out, and repent, and repenting is to change and do something different. So we hear you, Lord. Change. Do something different. Be fearless. Be bold, bold, be courageous, stand, be unshakable, be unmovable in your work for the Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you're able to do all you need to do through us in the name of Jesus, because it's not by might, not by power, but your spirit. When our flesh is weak, your spirit is willing. And, Lord, you're just looking for an open vessel to say yes. And as we say yes and you say yes and we say yes, you begin to unfold. And you begin to unfold because we don't know, Lord, but you do. So we leave it there, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for the hope you have called us to, to love the unlovable, to love that's those that don't know how to love. They just quite have not made it there, but we have your love, and we do know how to love. So we take that love. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hear you, Father. We hear you, Daddy. We're here. You can deal with us on a personal level. We all know where we are. We know what we all have to die to. We know what fears we have to overcome, and we know what we have to say yes to. But we're saying yes to you. We're not saying yes to a person. We're not saying yes to our friends. We're saying yes to you, Father, Abba, Father, loving, everlasting Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you and we give you all the glory. And we go forth and take the city. In Jesus' name, together, together, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.